0: Hoi oh, hey, and welcome in to another mind-expanding episode of Not Allowed to Die, your podcast about mental health, where I, Dan Makler, social worker and life enthusiast, answer your questions about mental health. Sometimes I have guests on, but always I have Mariska, the 3 tooth Patterdale Terrier alongside me, as we explore the challenges that people face in finding help for mental health. You may have noticed that I haven't put on any episodes in a month, and that's because um, life got a little bit crazy and stressful. And sometimes we need to just pull back and take a little time for ourselves and retrench and figure out what we need. So a question that's been put to me, and I've been thinking a lot about lately, is how do I make my decisions on, as a therapist, what to share about my own struggles or things that might be I might be going through with my clients? And the answer that you're given when you're in, you know, about disclosure, like how do we think about disclosure of anything, whether it's The classic conundrum that a therapist, particularly for teens, faces is, you know, what are you supposed to say if a kid says, did you ever get high? Did you ever drink alcohol? Because you're kind of screwed if you say, well, no, I never did. Well, they either think you're lying or they think you can't relate to them. And if you say, oh yeah, I used to party all the time when I was young, then you're kind of giving tacit encouragement to say that that's okay. So in grad school they used to teach us to say, well what would it mean to you if I said yes and what would it mean to you if I said no? But what about when it's not, you know, that clear and instead your a client is asking you, "Hey, you seem a little stressed. How are you doing?" Should you say, "Oh, I'm just fine. Let's talk about you." What message does that send to your client? Well, it sends the message again, one could say, it sends a message of boundaries that we're not here for the therapist's mental health and benefit, but it's also saying you're not, what are we modeling? If I'm telling my clients to be authentic and honest, I need to model that back. Now, again, I may need to make sure that my answer doesn't take over the session and that my session doesn't become about me venting about, you know, if my dog is sick or something else like that is going on, but also that I'm having respect for the client and letting them know, hey, I, if I'm seeming a little bit off, you're, it's not about you. Because when your client is with you so frequently, they are assuming that, I can't tell you how many times when I have um, a cold and I'm having a little trouble breathing through my nose, and I may kind of try to blow it out of my nose, make a little, you know, type sound. <laughs> it doesn't do, do very well on podcasting. But I've had clients who think that that's a response to something that they're saying when if no, it's literally just, I'm having trouble getting air out of my nose. So it's natural for clients when they're in that space to be watching the therapist for their reaction. How engaged is the therapist? And so if you're having an off day, if you, if as a therapist, if I really didn't sleep well the night before, it's important for me to be able to disclose that to my client so that they know that if I'm yawning or if I'm seeming off, it's not because they're boring. It's because this is what's going on with me. And so that's, Again, always the question is, is the reason I'm disclosing because it's in the best interest of the client of the session of the relationship? And there are clients that, you know, having known longer, I might share more with with when I'm working with younger people, it's just what do they need to know so that we can shift things and move it on to um the you know, again, the rest of the conversation something that they can understand. So again, it's very frequently, I will have discussions about, you know, the, the, the fact that I don't drink alcohol, I don't use any kind of recreational drugs, things like that. Well, that will come up, not because I'm trying to share a life view. In fact, many of my clients may also know I met my wife when I was bartending. You know, so sharing things, details about my life, that isn't something that I hold back. It's also a very common practice for me to use examples of things that I've said to other clients. Um, I may say, Oh, did I tell you about the, you know, the situation, the story I was telling with someone else. And that's actually literally what led to me creating this podcast in the first place is okay. (laughs) People would say, wow, you should, you should share some of these stories with the world at large, because maybe that could be helpful to people to hear about that. So again, my stress, is an important thing to share with and now again separate question what do i decide to share how do i decide what disclosure is appropriate for the podcast audience the hardest piece and i think i've talked about this is when i'm talking about things related to my own family and because then they haven't my siblings my nephews and nieces they haven't necessarily signed off on what i might be thinking i want to share that day and one of the most popular podcasts in the, the feed in the history of the feed is when I talked about the death of my nephew. So it's again, I can speak about my. And fortunately for me, my family is extremely open, so there's not a lot that I feel like I need to keep secret. But it is something in the back of my head as I'm saying, when I'm choosing to dis- disclose something, am I disclosing? I'm on behalf of my wife, on behalf of my kids, on behalf of the family. Am I sharing more than they want might want to share? When I had the guest on, Tyler Wachofsky, and he was talking about, you know, just his writing. And what when you're writing that are true-to-life events, things that were inspired by things that actually happened to you, how much are you taking into account and, you know, how that might impact? I love to listen to um, audiobooks and particularly celebrity memoirs. And Viola Davis's uh, book is just incredible, but I think it must've been, for many of them, they'll talk about waiting to write their memoir until certain family members had passed away because it's just too painful to maybe share that. But I think it's, it's really also about being respectful. Can we, can we share our truth without dumbing it down, without making it um, too soft and making sure that we're caring about how it, how it lands and how it hits, but it's also really authentic. So in doing the podcast, I'm usually giving you my very quickly filtered thoughts, but I am thinking about, and again, if I'm ever sharing stories about clients, I've pretty much gotten the client's permission to be able to talk about them and, or I've changed some circumstances and details about the clients so that it's total, things remain confidential. And that's something that, you know, clients I have here know that I do this podcast and I'll say, oh, do you mind that? That sounds like a good story that I could tell on the podcast. Is that okay with you? And so I get that kind of permission, but again, it's, it's understanding that these circuits, because there's a lot of general experience that could relate to lots of different people. So again, if you have questions for me about, Hey, what was that stress you were going through? And this is what I'll say to anybody. Again, I'm an open book if you reach out to me, but I'm going to make sure that what I'm sharing is relevant to the audience for mental health purposes. How can it be something that a lesson can be taken from and applied? I can say for myself, what's been really beneficial and helpful to me during a high stress period has been, and I've talked about in the podcast before, utilizing meditation apps. And it's become a part of my daily regular routine in walking Mariska and listening to, and I, I've said I use A-T-O-M, Adam, the uh, meditation app. And again, it's usually just between six and 11 minutes long. And while I'm walking Mariska, and he, again, he will, Sam, the narrator, will tell you, you know, be sitting in a comfortable position. Well, I don't have to listen to Sam, and Sam will be totally okay with that. I can walk the dog and have some of the distractions, but for me, that actually makes meditation easier. And I found that just dedicating that time to breathing, you know, and obviously, I'm then bef- right before and after, I'm going back to my litany of many, many podcasts to find out about the world. But having a little bit of time to focus on my breathing, to slow my heart rate, to set an intention for the day has been really helpful and healing to me. I've tried, again, practice what we preach. For so many of you, if you're listening to this, you're the kind of person who other people might come to for advice. And so I was taking, again, what would be the advice that I would give to somebody else in that circumstance and situation? So journaling. For the first, I am not a person who has actually, as much as I've recommended it to other people, I have not spent a lot of time journaling. So for myself, I did. I spent some time journaling and I found that, again, it was helpful. I don't, again, it's in in this meditation app, not only at Adam do I listen to meditation, but then they have some cognitive behavioral strategies that you just read through afterwards if you choose to. And again, one of the things that they'll often recommend is doing that journaling. And so as I'm listening to that and saying, am I following that advice? Okay, I don't know that I'll make it a regular, everyday practice. But I do think when I've got something that's on my mind, instead of just rehearsing it over and over and banging it around inside, it becomes a bit of an echo chamber. So writing it down in a Google Doc has helped me to listen and move past it. The other two things that have been most helpful to me in a time of stress have been talking to friends, to family members. People often ask me, are you in therapy? And no, I've never been in therapy. And obviously it's not because I'm not a fan of therapy or don't think it's effective. But someone asked, well, you know what would be my therapeutic goals? So often when a person comes to me for a first session, I'll be asking them, "What is it that you want to be different? If things were better in six months, what would that look like? For me, my life pretty much generally is how I want it to be. So if I'm going through a temporary stressor, which I know it's you know going to, again, if if my problem was the winter time, and I knew winter was going to turn into spring, okay, well, then I probably don't need therapy to change that. I could learn some techniques in therapy if I didn't feel like I had them of, okay, how do I make this less uncomfortable? But if I already feel like I have the techniques and it's more just about executing on them, I've gone to physical therapy several times for different ailments throughout my life. And once you've learned the stretches and you know how to do them, it's more about just engaging in the things that you already know how to do. So for me, that's engaging in, you know, the mindfulness the meditation the exercise so that was another one that i was going to talk about for me every day after exercising i got those endorphins and it felt so much better so i ran into someone to the day and they're like wow you seem like you've lost a lot of weight and yeah i needed to lose a lot of weight but it's amazing that sometimes stress can give us the motivation to put a little bit of extra work in and so and decrease it can have a decrease in appetite now we're going to talk in the future about another episode about how triggering that could be for people with eating disorders that when they are actually doing engaging in some of the most negative behaviors, they're getting a lot of social positive reinforcement of like, oh, my gosh, you look so thin. and it's like, oh, I might be thinner, but it didn't come in a healthy way. For me, I still have a good 30, you know, the, the doctor would say I could lose another thirty pounds. So it's not a problem if I, if i if my appetite is suppressed a little bit by that. So, but talking to people, talking to friends, talking to family members, colleagues, that has been an incredibly healing thing for me. And I think that's what a lot of times we can get out of therapy. What's the difference between talking to a therapist and talking to a friend? Well, I think again, with a, in a friendship, that friend might not be trained. Some of my friends are therapists, so they are trained, but they might not, but it's reciprocal. The conversation isn't just about me. The conversation then shifts to what's going on with that other person. Whereas in therapy, the conversation would again, stay on me and what am I doing and how am I getting help for whatever's ailing me? Obviously, as we all know, spending time with Mariska, and I say it tongue in cheek, but I really mean it, petting Mariska on mornings when I was stressed out and just stroking her fur, it's soothing, it's calming. And it just feels really good to come home and Believe it or not, she's always super excited to see me. And I wish Mariska was more excited to see other members of the family, but she kind of saves it all up for me. So for me, these are things that I've found to be really helpful and beneficial. Going forward with the podcast, I am looking for your advice and feedback because a part of me is interested in whether or not I should shift the focus to be more just about ESAs and Paul or Patrick. So I'm gonna put a little poll at the end of this. And so if you listen to this on Spotify, you can track and see um, if you would respond. If, if we rebranded and shifted this from Not Allowed to Die to you know, a know Patrick podcast, is that something that you'd be interested in hearing and seeing more of? Because there are a lot of great mental health podcasts out there. And so maybe it's time to shift this one to be more about ESAs and Pause for Patrick specifically. So if you have questions, thoughts, ideas for Mariska or for me, please reach out to me. At dmaiglerlcsw at gmail.com. And remember, as always, do whatever it takes to get you through this world, remembering you are just not allowed to die. And now for something completely different. Sometimes there are no words. Sometimes we need love, care, support, and affection. We don't want to explain anything. For young people with mental health issues like anxiety, depression, OCD, autism, therapy is often not enough. Paws for Patrick is an organization dedicated to connecting the love of animals to the people who need it the most. We facilitate that connection by assigning the seekers who contact us a wish-granter who listens to their story and their needs and helps them acquire an animal or training or documentation so they can have their emotional support animal, or ESA, in their apartment, dorm, condo, etc. We even have trained therapy dogs and handlers who bring dogs to people who can't have their own. Patrick rarely had the words to express his feelings and his needs, but when he had the love of his dog, Cece, he had the strength to persevere. We want to provide every young person who could benefit that kind of love and support. Please check out our website at pauseforpatrick.org. Find us on Facebook and Instagram, If you have a need, reach out. If you want to help become a volunteer, fill out the form on our website. If you can donate, great, but please at least spread the word so we can replace the suffering and silence that many people do with the smiles and security that only the love of an animal can bring.